Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mining Your Business podcast, a show all about process mining, data science, and advanced business analytics. I am Patrick, and with me, as always, my colleague, Jakub. How are you doing today, Jakub? Hey, Patrick. I'm doing quite well. Thanks. Today's episode is all about the implementation of process mining from start to finish, data model woes, and of course, the EU functions. Today's guest is Simon Bach. Patrick, we made it to the episode seven, which is a really, really exciting as uh, this is even pre-launch. So we are already working on episode seven and the podcast is not officially out yet. So it's a time for celebrate, I would say. Oh, yes. Uh, and in any case, we have yet another guest today we are with us. Uh, he's our colleague, a fellow data scientist, Simon Bach. Simon, hi. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, so, Simon, uh, you are actually the first uh, employee of ProcessEnt, uh, if I recall correctly. Uh, so you're the most senior data scientist of us all. In today's episode, we actually want to ask you a lot about uh, how the implementation of a process really goes and what are the ups and downs and what do we really have to worry about and what we have to do. But before we get there... Uh, Could you briefly introduce our yourself to to the audience? So, uh, like, what is your background? Where you are coming from, and so on. All right, um, sure. I wasn't actually born a data scientist, as most <laughs> in, <laughs> most in our company, I guess. Um, I mean, actually, I started uh, I started as a lab assistant, uh, so very far away from uh, any data. At some point, I got bored by this job and I um, decided to make my, well, I, I guess you can call, uh, translate it as high school degree. I mean, Abitur, uh, the German listeners will know, to get eligible for university. And then I started physics yet again, far away from data science, right? <laughs> um, and then I thought, well, I do something useful for humanity. I mean, not claiming that physics is not useful for humanity, but it's like, <laughs> So, yeah, um, okay, not to get too deep into it, long story so short, um, I ended up in, a, um, in an interview with Thomas and he liked me and, okay, I guess the listeners know who Thomas is, but I guess you already uh, yes, interviewed him. Yes, yes, we've released an episode. Point. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. And then uh, he hired me, um, one of his greatest achievements, <laughs> and, um, well, now I'm here doing data science, <laughs> I guess. Um, well, okay, th that's how, how far my background goes. Uh, let me ask, did you know about process mining or what did you know about process mining before you actually went to the interview with Thomas? Well, I knew that it's a word and um, I googled it and I had le very limited uh, information about data science. I knew what Wikipedia knows. Okay, okay, that's a start. Simon, uh, I, we already talked about it in our first episodes with Patrick. Uh, we know that the work uh, or the job of the data scientist is not only working with, uh, with the data and actually coding. And uh, we know that uh, <laughs> at least 50% of our job actually lies in uh, meetings and writing emails and talking to, to the business people, uh, which can be challenging, especially for people who really do like to get their hands dirty with the coding. Uh, but the point of today's episode is actually to talk to the uh, to those lesser 50%, and that's the yeah. getting the hands dirty. Yeah. And uh, so my question really is if, or The, the, the theme will be if you could walk us uh, through the implementation from start to finish. So since we already talked about uh, order to cash and port, uh, purchase to pay processes in a previous episode, I would just suggest uh, let's pick uh, purchase to pay process. Uh, and let's say that you are uh, facing a customer who wants to do this implementation. So uh, all talking uh, aside, let's just say that uh, how would you lead Uh, such an initiative from start to finish from the technical perspective. So we come to the customer. Uh, we have, let's say that we don't have to really worry about access to anything, that everything is set up and everything is smooth, ready to go. 
what do we do? What do we start with? Okay, in this fairy tale world that you're describing, <laughs> um, <laughs> I go right away uh, to the I go to the customer and tell him uh, what are the technical requirements that uh, we are able to access their source system. So All usually, right. usually um, you have SAP in place. I mean, to it doesn't have to be SAP, right? Uh, we uh, work with the ServiceNow ticketing system and so on and so forth. You need the requirements that you're able to just pull the data. Um, it, um, if we're talking about uh, the Salonis uh, and the IBC, it's usually called uh, extractor and they have to set up an extractor server. They have to uh, also install some, some uh, module um, um, to, to their SAP system or some okay uh let uh, don't don't quote me on that but they they have to uh, fulfill some technical requirements that SAP, uh, that we are able in the IBC to even pull the data in the first place that's mm -hmm. the best scenario bit worse scenarios that it doesn't work because there's no connector for the system um in this case i also once upon a time, wrote an extractor. But first of all, make sure that data extraction is set up. Mm -hmm. That's very first step for technical implementation. So there are mm -hmm. multiple requirements on the actual client side that need to be fulfilled before your actual work can start. Is that right? Long story short, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's assume that all these steps are taken care of by the client and now you are ready to go. What are your first moves? What do you make sure? What do you check? Where do you start? Okay. Um, what I make sure is, well, first of all, we have the, uh, we have the connection, we pull the data, um, and I check, well, Data quality is the encoding correct? Uh, does it seem to be complete for our purposes? Right. Um, I I go through what we want to implement, and if we okay in this scenario, okay, let's just pretend we are doing a purchase to pay. We better have the purchase to pay tables in place, right? Um, we don't necessarily need sales tables. Or we could have them in addition, but better have the purchase orders ready, right? So check for completeness and uh, think about if we could, uh, well, build KPIs or build the data model for the process we're looking at. So essentially what you do is that you uh, are accessing a customer database and you are pulling the data into Celonis instance. In this case, I assume you talked about IBC, so we have a cloud instance. There are also on-site instances, uh, which are work a bit different fashion. We will definitely yeah. cover it in uh, our future episode. Uh, in uh, What I'm trying to understand now is... Uh, I know that in some cases uh, we are working with some limitations on the on the memory capacity that we actually have, so we can't really just pull everything or all the tables. Uh, is there something, some some way that you have to actually prepare the data and eventually trim it down? And how do you actually go about it? Um, yeah, sure. So um, they are the very very big bad boys um, of tables. <laughs> Uh, which is the change log, as you can imagine, in a, in an ERP system, stuff is changed all the time, and you don't want to pull the log for everything. So you just trim it down. You just say, okay, I have certain uh, parameters or certain flags that tell me what is changed, and I just pull the required changes for the process I'm looking at. Second, uh, you have. Uh, time limitations right uh, so you mm -hmm. could say i pull like one or two years of data that's um the easiest of two things that you can do which is the most obvious they are less obvious things which i don't want to talk about in length about it because it highly depends on the customer and if 
if data is a limitation. For big customers, sure. For smaller customers, you <laughs> go ahead and could pu uh, pull almost everything, right? Because uh, data is not, or data size is not that big of an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, what I'm also uh, wondering is, uh, I know customers sometimes come with uh, very big expectations and they want to have, let's say, live stream of data. Is this even technically possible? And how do you go about uh, updating the data as you are still having to access the database and there are definitely some limitations to what you can and cannot do, right? Yeah, so live stream is a big word. Um, I would say you could you could just uh, try to to make the time delta as small as possible, right? Mm -hmm. um, what, big... is, what is time delta? <laughs> okay, so um, I'm just loosely speaking. I mean, you have like certain, uh, you have like certain times, let's say, okay, you, um, you pull the data, you transform the data, you put it into the data model and make it accessible for um, the customer, right? Mm -hmm. Let's call this moment T1, right? I'm very physicist <laughs> now, right? And then I'm pulling the data again, I'm transforming the data again, and I push it again to the cloud. Let's call it T2. And T2 means minus T, like the time in between those, those mm -hmm. two moments. This I call the time delta. So basically what I'm saying is that you can try to make the time in between as small as possible, but it will never really be a true live feed right or at least not right now um maybe sometimes in the future when we have ho hovering <laughs> cars and so on um but um what we can do always is customers always like love to talk about live feed or time or delta and so on and so forth the reality is you have to define what do you mean by that Right. How often mm -hmm. do you need the data? Do you need it once a week, once a month, once a decade? <laughs> okay, that's pretty rare. Um, or like daily. And then you try to define like business people's always, uh, people always have ideas what they want to do. And then you say, okay, and then challenge the people and then say, what do you mean by that? Define what you mean. And then they start thinking, okay. Uh, I want to ha have this KPI on a daily basis because I steer. Uh, I have a steering perspective uh, objective with that, KPI, mm -hmm. for example. So um, once you have customer data, and like you said, it can take some time, but this time delta that you mentioned that between pulling the data and showing it, there's some time delta. How do we go about reducing the amount of time it takes to pull the data and I kind of want to get onto a delta load. So can you describe kind of what uh, the difference between a full load and a delta load is and how that works together? Yeah, okay. So the full load is basically, oh, look, there's a bunch of data. Let's pull everything and <laughs> just put it into the cloud, right? Um, and the delta is more nuanced, let's say, right? So, okay, there's a bunch of data, um, but uh, there's a big pile that I already have. Um, just take the other, uh, take what's <laughs> what's left on the other side, right? So the in the in the tire and the delta load, you're basically basically thinking about how can I characterize um, the data that I need? How can I tell it apart from uh, the data that I need from the from the whole bunch that is there? So thus reducing time by pulling the data. That's well, <laughs> it seems like a no-brainer, but mm -hmm. uh, you ha actually have to think about it. It's it's not always easy um, to to know if you if you need um, this specific uh, this specific um, data set which is lying there or this row in this table if you need it or not. Sometimes it's clear because there's a timestamp telling you. Uh, I am data X, Y, and I was changed today. And then you see, okay, I pulled the data yesterday, so I need this data. Uh, I need this row X, Y, right? But sometimes you don't know. You just know when the row was created, 
but you actually what you don't know is um was it changed in between so so what do you do in mm -hmm. those cases when you don't know if the the row was changed um it's a that's a tough one um it it depends right of course so let's say let's say um the customer wants a, a daily delta right and the customer says okay i am interested in the in the kpis uh one two three right and this one uh, and this one row that might have been changed has nothing to do with that with those three kpis it might be good to not pull it to just make the process faster because um because the customer is not really interested i mean okay i'm implying now that i know that this one row is like has no importance whatsoever so just for completeness completeness maybe once a week we get the, we get all the data um synchronized but for the sake of uh of the delta for example okay let me tell you a story we have a, a customer that they want want to have a data every three hours right but they have uh, a steering perspective for their production with that right so what we do is that okay what do you want to steer what you are interested in really and they are interested in material data and so on and so forth so we just pull that information and we pull the whole information once a day so that we are able uh, that we are even able to to provide them new data every three hours i think you're touching a very interesting topic here and that's uh, essentially i know it's gonna come back to the communication with the client but uh you know that you are trying to find a common ground with them as uh you know there is expectation and there is reality and then uh, our job and uh, your job is essentially to meet them in between uh so that we make their reality somehow achievable but at the same time we respect the technical limitations we have and uh by saying that i would like to also ask you if you what are the most common problems that we usually face and or that you recall at the moment that we are facing with pulling the data, for instance? You can remember anything. Mm, okay. So when we leave the fairy tale world, <laughs> it's basically the most common problem uh. <laughs> is we should have access and we don't. <laughs> um, but other than that, um if we are talking about uh, customers that have huge amount of data that we're saying okay you wanted to have like two or three years <laughs> of data it's not possible at yeah. the moment let's start with one year <laughs> and then the customer is sad but we are saying yeah well it's either <laughs> one year of data or no data at all so <laughs> i guess they understand in most of the cases um other than that if if it is so let me let me think i mean first of all uh if if you have too much data maybe computations take too long and you're yeah. just like uh you go uh, it leads nowhere um then if you don't know the process really you don't know what pull, uh, what data to pull in the first place so i i would say i would go with these two issues Mm -hmm. And uh, if it's also new data, you don't, you maybe know what you need, but you don't know how to restrict it. I mean, you know the table in principle, but you don't know which rows in that table might be interesting for you or not. Mm -hmm. So with experience there, um, you would know more and more, I, I guess, like... Uh, a P2P process, purchase to pay process I could do in my sleep, but I guess I rather sleep then. <laughs> um, then, <laughs> so it depends. I mean, yeah. it's a process that we well, well enough. Then we go with a standard. Then we even have a standard. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to the next topic, I actually this is also very interesting. 
And uh, you're saying that uh, sometimes we implement processes that are not quite standard and require, uh, I would say, a big more time and uh, more knowledge and are generally more challenging. How do you approach uh, when you have a customer who wants to implement a process that you've never seen before? Because for me, usually this is one of the biggest challenges as uh, I feel comfortable with whatever I've already done before. But with new stuff, you know, it's it's usually a bit difficult. And when there is a little uh, support from uh, customers' IT on the process itself, then it can get, uh, it can get quite tricky. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. Um, in nine out of 10 days, I'm, uh, uh, I like being bottom-up, but there mm-hmm. I try to be top-down, right? Um, because you don't know the process at all. Mm-hmm. So you just talk to the business people, t- uh, ask them, okay, what happens there even? Like, what do you do? And what do you want to measure? Um, maybe sometimes even challenging, why is this important? Because if they think about what they want to measure, they say, ah, okay, uh, well, maybe let's let, don't measure A, measure B or Something like that, right? It's like like challenge them in what they want. Just take it as given, right? Um, if we that if you then have an understanding about what's happening, um, it depends. Either you okay in all the cases you talk to their IT, right? Mm-hmm. But um, if it's a very very customer crafted system, you don't have any. Well, there is not a forum in the internet telling, yeah, um, <laughs> that's how we implemented it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> legally, <laughs> it's a bit, <laughs> you shouldn't, right? So in all the cases, we talk to their IT, but if it's a system that uh, has broader user base, uh, if it's like just one specific SAP system, you try to figure out as much as possible before you get to the IT so that you can ask smart questions, not to sound smart that we always do, but to even get like the useful information out of it, right? Yeah. Because if you hear it the first time, you don't know where the problems could be. So get as, mu- as much information as possible, but do it top down first talk to the business and then talk to the IT and then try to merge this information i actually also like to have it um like two separate meetings one with business one with IT because if you have both in the room at the same t- point of time you drift into details mm-hmm. while you haven't understand the process yet and uh, I'm guilty myself. I like details, but sometimes <laughs> it's not the best way to go to like right dive into the details. Like just try to understand what you want to what you want to describe. Do you want to describe an elephant or a cat? Yeah, <laughs> and then you try to. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, basically. Uh, so we have uh, the data now. So we've gotten that. And now it's time to actually take care of the transformations, right? So how does building the transformations work and why SQL? I think, Patrick, before we even, uh, I would first like to understand what is a transformation. You have the data and then (laughs) like, what do you do? (laughs) Yeah, well, um, you have the data, the I mean, the funny thing is that, like, the customer has the data all along, right? But uh, just doesn't use it in that way. Um, What you try to do is that um, you try to find the data points that are interesting for the customer. Mm -hmm. And then you just massage them a little bit, like, make the data feel comfortable, and then just, okay, no bad metaphor (laughs) okay no (laughs) you have the data points and you just want to put it into the right places that you can grab it easily right Mm -hmm. um the the transformation is all about that you have the data but 
uh, as it is structured right now, it is very, uh, well, very complicated or even impossible to just create KPIs out of there. Mm -hmm. And if we are talking process specific, then uh, what do you actually have to do to so that the customer eventually sees a process in, in a Salonis or other process mining tool? How do you go about transforming the data that you pull into uh, visualizing the process at the end? Yeah. Okay. Very specific. Um, for example, the customer talks about setting setting some some flags. There's a, I don't know a, a payment block or mm -hmm. there is shipment. There is whatever. Then you think about okay, what actually constitutes a payment block? A payment block is a flag that is either there or not. If you look into the payment block uh, um, field, congratulations. It's either there or not. Mm -hmm. But when it happened, it could be anywhere in time, right? I mean, so you go into the change log for that. For shipment or receiving goods, you go to good received, uh, receipts table. And all information you have, you have to just connect to your okay like abstractly speaking central entity mm -hmm. but more specifically in purchase to pay it's a purchase what you're mentioning order, is the I mean, is the case right? the the core that you're trying to connect to right yes mm -hmm. so you want to have one process stream per case that is uh, very abstract but you just want to have the whole purchase process from from end to end and you want to see it for each purchase order item you want to have a nice flow and uh yeah you just take all the information that the customer wants and you think okay this constitutes a change this constitutes shipment this constitutes some stuff going on in accounting and you are connecting the dots Okay, connecting the dots is probably the easiest way how to how to say uh, what happens in transformations. So you have table A, B, C, mm -hmm. and you you want to connect A, B, A, B, and C in a meaningful way, and you can't just connect every row with every row. That's I mean, dumb and <laughs> even wrong. Um, so. That's what you do in the transformations. And uh, how do you technically do that? I, I assume that you're using, uh, well, I actually know that you're using a coding language uh, and it's SQL. Uh, what do you actually do there? Yeah, since you're also a data scientist <laughs> in our company, you should know uh, that. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I'm just outsourcing everything. <laughs> ah, okay, okay, I see. Um, well, um, We're using SQL um, structured query language, Correct. right? Um, but okay, now I sound very smart, right? Uh, okay, uh, okay. Let's just say it's Excel for very, very high amount of data, mm -hmm. right? So you have like a structured way how to how to uh, pull data from a table how to connect the dots, as I said, that you call joints. And, well, databases are very efficient mm -hmm. in just querying uh, data and connecting. I mean, that's their whole job, right? And, uh, I mean, SQL is just the language how you talk to a database. It's not, hey, man, what's up? Pull me the data. It's like SQL, select X, Y. It's Sounds way more boring, but at least it does the job, right? <laughs> how do you figure out uh, what to join and how? Um, okay. What and how? Uh, there are <laughs> so many answers <laughs> yeah. to that. Some things are no-brainers. You have header tables and item tables, and uh, you just uh, connect them. Okay, this header... I, I I connect them by the header ID, so-called foreign key relations, mm -hmm. right? So um, you just uh, want to have 
Okay, yeah, uh, you have uh, uh, the header ID, you, uh, you connect them via that. Or you have uh, in a change log, uh, the change log knows what uh, entry was, um, was changed. You connect also by, by this key. Mm -hmm. uh, so most of the time it is uh, foreign key relations. Uh, what I'm trying to get at is uh, when you are, uh, let's say, in the purchase to pay process, uh, you have your purchase order. And then your yeah. customer says that they also want to see the invoices. How do you actually go about of connecting the dots in here? Because again, this is one of the things that I, when I started as a data scientist, found quite challenging. As uh, obviously there is uh, a bunch of documentation, especially on SAP, but it's not always that clear or what goes where, especially for someone who essentially was never uh never introduced to any kind of accounting or any kind of business processes in his university so uh how do you go about this uh yes so it's kind of a little bit detective work mm -hmm. um sometimes you have uh sometimes you have something that is quite clear and has a standard way And you know that the invoices are always connect via these dots, mm -hmm. but sometimes it isn't really clear, and you have to talk to the customer. Um, you have to tell him, okay, how does it work? How is it connected? And even though, okay, maybe you don't ask him how it's connected because the customers don't know, but they don't know that they know, right? So um, you. Ask them, uh, okay, can you give us some examples? And then um, sending, uh, when they send the examples, from the examples, sometimes it is clear how to mm -hmm. connect it. Or like most of, okay, sometimes it sounds a little bit pessimistic. Uh, most of the times by them giving you some examples, you know, okay, I I see this ID from table A and the table B and I kind of get how they are connected. Like you find to you 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 try to find similarities and then you're working your way through. And also before you talk to the customer, you try to figure out on your own and there is um also documentation tables, mm -hmm. like each ERP system is documenting itself. Um And there are those tables, and there are also forums and uh, and beautiful uh, websites <laughs> yes. like Linux, <laughs> which I haven't heard about in uh, ever before before I started here, and now it's one of my most frequented <laughs> uh, website, maybe even more than <laughs> I don't know Facebook. <laughs> so you were basically saying that you're getting recommendations or your Google page. Uh, you might also like uh, reading about this uh, very new SAP table. <laughs> yeah. People who call this site also yeah. call XY. Yeah. <laughs> so um, true story. So I'm I'm glad you you spoke about table relations and things like that. But really, for the process mining aspect, we need um, a mm -hmm. specifically an activity table. So I kind of want to ask you, what is the activity table for and what sorts of information do you put inside of it to um, achieve KPIs and things like that? Okay. Um, the activity table, I mean, uh, a big part of that I already described in a way that I, uh, that I said. Uh, I like to connect the dots, right? So now you are in... You have, we are that far that we connected the purchase order item with uh, the respective dots or whatever, like shipment or setting a flag or whatever. But now you also need a timestamp. Um, so the, the whole idea of the activity table is that you, uh, that you know certain things happened at a certain point of time. Um, connecting the dots is the first uh, step and then you need a meaningful timestamp. It's either a change date or booking date or a creation date of some whatsoever entity. Uh, 
good receipt mm -hmm. uh, uh, or, or accounting document. So pulling everything together for one specific purchase order item or yet or better say like for everything mm -hmm. for all the Simon, uh, these things uh, I think could be quite uh, applicable for any process mining tool and I would like now to get a bit specific on, on Celonis. And my question would be, uh, so let's say that you already extracted your data, you did some transformation, you have your activity table. Is there something else that you need to do? And uh, like, uh, what is the next step in, in your job uh, when you already have prepared the data and you have your activities? Uh, I still think that we are not uh, quite done and that there still needs to be one step uh, before the user actually sees the data in the front end. So what do you do next? Okay, so um, the what I do next is basically um, I have the activity table. It has to have some structure. I, I don't give it a bunch of timestamps. I give the timestamps a name, like what happened there. And I also uh, let I also let those know um, which purchase order item uh, they were specific for. And what I do next is that I build up a data model. And uh, in the Salonis data model, um, you have specific roles for two tables. Two tables are very very <laughs> special, <laughs> and <laughs> and those are. The activity table and the case table. Those, so um, the case table is the purchase order item. Uh, so Patrick already asked what the case is, and uh, I guess you all remember. Um, also, and those are the the can have the role that if Salonis knows this activity table, this is the case table, Salonis can calculate the process flow mm -hmm. from that. Um, And then you have some meta information. Uh, it could be uh, vendors. It could be uh, the okay, mm -hmm. a whole lot of things. Um, you you build a data model around that, but the core, the center, is the case, and to the case attached is the activities. And then you your data model could be as beautiful or ugly as you want uh, want it to be. Thorough, let's mm -hmm. call it thorough. <laughs> so you have your data model, uh, you probably have to do some execution so that it's actually loaded into uh, into memory and everything. Yeah. Uh, what's next? I think we are still missing the, the most, well, for us, uh, I know that we are, we don't really, uh, we think a bit less of building some front-end stuff because we proud ourselves in being the data scientist and we like the data preparation and everything. But for the end users, mm -hmm. for the customers, the front end eventually is something that's uh, that holds the most value. And we, in our one of our uh, for our uh, previous interviews, we had a customer success manager from Salonis here, who basically appealed uh, on us as data scientists to try to build uh, as best looking uh, dashboards <laughs> as possible, as this is usually the only output the client sees, uh, regardless how well optimized uh, the query is in the background. Uh, so what do you do? How do you build a report once you have all your data ready and your data model is also ready? So what do you do next? Um, I, okay. Um, I then start to create the analysis. Um, so if you are a viewer, you are like, I don't know, you you, you live in your, 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 You're not aware that um, Salonis has actually a very nice way how to uh, how to build up they, uh, how to build up an analysis. Um, so they also have a, a language mm -hmm. PQL, it's Process Query Language. Um, but not to talk about that, uh, you, you have uh, components and you just drag and drop mm -hmm. them. It's actually very nice. Um, I don't want to place Salonis down as a drag and drop tool, but, uh, for at some point in the process, uh, or at some point in, in like creating analysis for a customer, it is right. So you build up the analysis, either you already have a standard you're thinking about, 
what do you want to filter? Um, how do how do I realize that for a customer? Um, I want to uh, filter the purchase organization. Okay, let's have mm -hmm. a drop down for purchase organization. And it's not that I am like inventing a, yeah. a drop down button. Um, Salone has already invented it and gave me the and and gave me the component, and I just drag and drop it, and I just tell uh, tell the component what the purchase organization is, and the component does its job. And it's just constituting out of all those components that's the mm -hmm. usability. And um, as far as the KPIs goes, I just translate what the customer wants into the process query language. And then we have uh, components that can show you KPIs, that can filter, that can uh, show you uh, a time series of some uh, KPIs, all of that. And is it sometimes difficult, sorry to, to jump in here, is it sometimes difficult to define your KPIs the way that the, that the business wants into this PQL language? Well, um, often it's clear, sometimes it's difficult and sometimes it's <laughs> impossible. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it's very tricky. Um, what you are not thinking about is that, um, okay, you have a data model and you always want to connect the data, right? Sometimes it is possible to show, um, to show certain information encapsulated in, in like one KPI, but what you can't do is that you can show all the data with it because then you would have duplications, uh, you would uh, sum up some values multiple times, and you, make, uh, you have to make sure that, okay, well, um maybe uh maybe it is nice to tenfold the revenue of a company <laughs> but <laughs> but thing is if it is uh, if it is 10 times less then uh it's probably like bad KPI that you define so you have to think twice uh can i really do mm -hmm. that in one table for Simon, example. Uh, speaking of these KPIs, uh, there is uh, one function that usually everyone, when starts working as a data scientist, is struggling with. It's called a pull-up function. And uh, we all know in our company that you are a pull-up master. Uh, so what I want to ask you, if you could briefly for our audience and if there are any aspiring or starting data scientists who are still trying to grasp the meaning and the functionality of pull-up function in Selenis, could you go ahead and explain us? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, okay, let me okay let me think about what I want to say <laughs> about that. <laughs> um, pull up is actually a very nice functionality that like uh, that Salon has thought of like at least very very long ago. As, as as long as I do process mining, which is now like two and a half years, close to three, I guess. Um, the idea is that, uh, okay, uh, the story that I'm telling is, uh, if you think about mm -hmm. the, du uh, the duplications that I was talking about, um, what you could do is that you, you say, um, instead of like duplicating data, because I, for example, joined a, uh, an, an item table to a header table, and thus I'm duplicating each row in the header. You could just say, well, but I only want to have like, um, I only want to have like the last row or the number of items. Um, most of the time, if you have activities, you want to have the first or last activity, something like that. You think about some aggregations that you want, and that is. Uh, that is the idea if you want to prevent duplicates. Um, that is that use case that you're just thinking about aggregated information rather than having each item. Um, the other thing is that you would be also able to filter on aggregated information. For example, you would be able to uh, uh, to filter on um, cases that have mm -hmm. more than five activities. Um, it's okay. That that would be a very weird thing, but you could think about 
more elaborate things that you filter on stuff that has like a complex process and maybe the number of activities might be an indicator for a process mm -hmm. being complex or easy. Well, thanks a lot for explaining this. <laughs> Hopefully it will help to uh, a new data scientist or wannabe data scientist when they start working for Selenis. Uh, so Simon, uh, essentially, now we have the, the dashboards and everything ready. Is there anything else that you need to do afterwards as well? Or is it just uh, you basically do the transformation, you have the data, you have the data model, dashboards are ready, you give it to users and that's it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, <laughs> um, that would mean that uh, I talk to business, I do my transformations, I do the KPIs, mm -hmm. everything works perfectly. Thus, I give it to the customer and walk away. <laughs> um, but I <laughs> want to give the customers also time to validate and tell them how perfect my analysis are. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time they tell me, okay, look, um, here's a KPI and it show uh, it should show one, uh, should show the number one, but it shows the number two. And then I'm trying to figure out why or <laughs> if two is even correct. Right. right. So <laughs> there's a data validation phase. There's the data validation phase and uh, mm -hmm. it's also a very tricky part because how to validate data in the first place. So um, yeah, basically there's data validation, user acceptance, testing, and mm -hmm. uh, continuous development after the point. So um, it, it, it's a never-ending journey, right? So you don't just deliver an analysis. You want to have it validated. And even if it is validated, um, and even all the numbers are correct, um, there's always things that you could improve on. All right. Um, Simon, if you can talk from your personal experience, were there, uh, could you re recall some very challenging technical implementation that you would say today that you're proud of, uh, that you actually made it? Um, yes. Um, okay, I guess I can't, can't, uh, just throw out customer names. No, no right? definitely so, don't do that. <laughs> okay. So there was this one customer. Okay. I, I stay as vague as possible, right. but, uh, try to, uh, tell my achievements. So there was a customer that had, uh, not that long ago, um, that had, uh, very well very custom uh system or i guess they even invented it themselves mm -hmm. and they wanted to have well very <laughs> very very challenging entities in there uh that didn't exist actually they they had to be calculated they had a whole bunch of documentation and first time i saw the uh i saw the documentation they gave us i said oh yeah sure i i read through it and i thought oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I, i made it in the end um they are happy um actually we had a um shit how we call it um value creation yeah, yeah. value creation i knew the word um <laughs> and uh They seemed quite content and was actually nice to hear that they say, okay, um, not only did we define uh, all those things and we thought it's very challenging to do, the, uh, to do that, but we also really see what we, what we mm -hmm. want to see. Um, so that was quite nice that it worked out in the end. So. Uh, there's nothing as good as a project well done. And if you actually have a cer certain praise for the customer, it's for me, at least uh, personally, that's very rewarding. And uh, while saying a good story, do you also have some uh, bad story in, a, <laughs> in, your, in your mind that you could share? Um, yeah, yeah. Um... Unfortunately, it was also uh, related uh, to a very customer-specific 
um, tool. And I don't know, um, there, there were certain expectations and uh, somehow uh, it was always a back and forth that uh, we don't see what we want or there should be more, uh, like there should be more information. And since it was very customer specific, um, I could, couldn't just like do the guessing game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I tried, but, uh, I failed again and again and I needed more information and it was, it didn't work out in the end. Um, it was not very rewarding. I, I also kind of blamed mm-hmm. myself a little for that. Um, but in the end, I guess it were like, just, uh, kind of, what the communication kind of didn't work out as well. It was not, I guess it wasn't even technically Mm -hmm. impossible to, uh, to show what they wanted. Um, but at some point, uh, communication just failed. So it was human was rather human error that, uh, it's impossible. It, it, it was no unsolvable quantum (laughs) physics formula. It was just, uh, human error that it didn't yeah. work out so as per usual uh with process mining it's a technical job but once you don't have uh you don't have uh the the human communication in place and all sorted out you can still end up in failure yeah and uh simon since uh, we are running a lot of uh out of time and uh not to we are shooting this before uh, working hours and since some of us have meetings soon uh, so that uh, the our project don't end up in a bad uh, case scenario, just as your did, uh, we will probably have to cut it right here. Uh, so Simon, once again, thank you very much for finding time for us and for walking us through a technical implementation. I really hope that it can help, uh, especially the aspiring data scientists or the customers who are trying to do the implementation uh, one day on their own as a guiding uh, guiding principles. Uh, uh, I will just say that thank you very much for uh, tuning in today. Uh, as usual, you can uh, write us an email at uh, miningyourbusinesspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a website, miningyourbusinesspodcast.com. So uh, feel, free to, feel free to reach out and uh, we'll be, as usual, looking forward to uh, next episode, which will be again in two weeks. So uh, stay tuned and thank you for listening. Simon, Patrick, thank you very much. Uh, Talk to you later. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for having me again. Bye.